0: to the State of Recruiting, your weekly Orange 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by Nick Harris. And uh, we're back to talk another week of Texas recruiting. Uh, before we do that, we would like to remind you guys to uh, subscribe, rate, and review our show on uh, any podcast platform of your choice. iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, any of those. We've got them on there, and it really helps if you guys can go on those platforms. Uh, rate review those things are always huge for us also would encourage you to listen to the other great shows on our podcast network for horns 24 7 the flagship with taylor estes and chip brown and the longhorn blitz with jeff howe and former longhorn rod pavers Um, so go check those out as well Uh, if this is your first time tuning in with us i'm mike roach recruiting editor of horns 24 7 and i'm joined by nick harris our recruiting reporter nick how's it going
1: going pretty good can't complain
0: um, it has been a, uh, a busy week I, th- I think here for both of us It's rankings week, which is always fun um, And I, I, I say that I guess both genuinely And uh, kind of sarcastically uh, <laughs> it, it is always fun Because we get a lot of content out of rankings We get to write some different types of stories uh, There are kids that go up And that's exciting But I would say the, uh, the aftermath And discussion from kids and coaches That we get is probably part that makes it not fun
1: yeah, I don't know how many kids I had to tell this week. Like, no exaggeration, probably 20 to 30 kids who were in my DMs asking, you know, why am I rated so low? I I, I couldn't tell enough that I have nothing to do with rankings. So, <laughs> I just send them your name, Mike.
0: Yeah, that's funny because I send them Gabe Brooks's <laughs> name. So, we just keep passing it up the chain. Um, yeah, that's kind of the way it goes. We, we de- definitely have input on rankings. We can definitely, you know... Um, say what we think about guys we see but we don't make those final decisions and um, you know dealing with um, it was funny I dealt with a coach this week that I didn't expect to deal with that was really mad and I mean his kid was literally an elite elite company still but he had gone down a little bit in state and I was like uh, this kid's ranked really high in the country like I don't you know I don't know what what your what your what your deal is here but Uh, it's always fun. It is what it is. We're going to get into those rankings right now and and kind of talk about them and and, and see what were the big big headlines. Of course, the biggest headline um, is that Texas quarterback target, their primary quarterback target in 2022, Quinn Ewers is now the number one player in the country. He didn't make a big jump. He went from number two to number one um, after the last ranking, but, um, you know, there's Despite the fact that he was number two in the country, there is that newly minted uh, feeling of him being the top overall prospect. Texas has not signed the top overall prospect since Vince Young was in high school um, and, and they signed him. This is another thing, you know, I feel like for viewers, he, he may be that guy, that, that type of guy like Vince Young.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, as far as where Texas stands in it, um, you know, if Texas doesn't have a good showing whenever the next football season will be. I don't want to say this fall, (laughs) or whenever the next football season will be. Um, If they have a good showing, they go out there and, uh, you know, do well, then I think yours is more on the table. But if they go out and have another year like they did last year, maybe an 8-5 and type season, then, uh, you know, I I think Ewers Ewers has said that he's treating it like a business decision. That's the whole reason he's at South Lake Carroll even. So, um, you know, the Texas bias, I don't think, or him growing up a Texas fan, I don't really think will play uh, much of a factor there. But uh, Ewers is one of the best sophomore quarterbacks I've ever seen. Um, I put him him up there with Kyler Murray when it comes to, you know, being able to change a game uh, at such a young age. But he has some tools that Kyler didn't even have his sophomore year. Uh, So uh, Quinn definitely has the ability to be, you know, one of the best quarterbacks to ever come through the state.
0: I put him up there with sophomore Sean Robinson. And Sean Robinson was one thing as a senior at DeSoto and, um, you know, was say what you want, didn't have a great career at at TCU and and went on to Missouri. Sean Robinson's sophomore year, I was convinced he was the best quarterback I'd ever seen in my life. His sophomore year at Guyer was uh, one of the most phenomenal performances I've ever seen. So uh, Quinn is certainly up there. I mean, he was one of those kids that, again, I saw him as an eighth grader in a seven-on-seven format and you knew right then, like literally the first time I saw him throw a ball, this kid's going to be the number one player in the country. And <laughs> I, I think I tweeted it like way back when. He's going to be a nationally recruited quarterback. He's going to have everything he wants. You know, and it, it's just it, that's not genius on our part. That's, you know, being able to see very clear skill. And, um, you know, that's that's way above everybody else uh, compared to him. I think really the other big uh, storyline, Nick, for the rankings is – looks like a good year in Texas in 2022. And you're talking about the top 25 uh, prospects in the country. Uh, You got Quinn Ewers at number one, Caleb Burton, the Del Valle receiver at at number uh, nine, um, Devon Campbell, uh, number 13 from Bowie, uh, Malik Silla, number 14 from Katie, uh, Amari Abor from Duncanville at 20, Denver Harris from North Shore 23, and Kelvin Banks from Summer Creek at 25. That's a lot of prospects from Texas just in the top 25, and 31 overall in the top 247.
1: Yeah, they have 19 in the top 100, and most of those are made up of the defensive backs. I mean, it seems like every time I turn around, there's another defensive back in that 2022 class that's landing bigger and bigger offers. I mean, there's still probably five to seven that are even underrated at this point just because there's this class is so deep for defensive backs but I mean even if you look at other positions like running backs with uh Jadon Blue and Jadarian Price and Tavoris Jones uh you look at quarterbacks with Quinn Ewers, Connor Wigman, um and Cade Klubnik I mean this class is just really deep in almost uh, every facet I'm trying to think of one position that it's not really strong at. I guess I would probably say linebackers. I can't really think of any, you know, 22 linebackers, multiple at least, that, you know, are at the top of those rankings. But pretty much everything else, they're going to have it covered. And, you know, for these in-state schools, I'm sure they're looking at the chops right now, looking at all this talent around their schools.
0: 22 is not weak on linebacker either. I would say it's weak in the in the rankings, your point there. But, I mean, if you think about it, just having Harold Perkins and, and uh, Justin Medlock, that's a better linebacker class than usually you see in state. So, um, man, you know, it feels like we, we talked about this 21 class for a long time, getting to it, and, you know, classes, they, they change over time. By the time you get there, maybe you've discussed the prospects so long that they lose their shine. But, uh, man, I, I think this 22 class takes a backseat to nobody. Connor Weigman, who you just mentioned, um, that's a kid who he, he plays at Bridgeland in the Cypress area. I'm not advocating that Texas give in on Quinn viewers because obviously that's a guy that you pursue until the very end because, you, you know, you do have some advantages with him being in state growing up a Texas fan. You have to pursue that. But, man, there's some guys in this, in this state at quarterback that I think – you could walk away with and be very happy with and i think Weidman's one of those guys a dual sport guy uh, really a really baseball player as well but i was i you know i'd seen a little bit of him before but i really took an opportunity to sit down and watch all of his his highlights uh a couple weeks ago and was just incredibly blown away with his athleticism um some of the throws he made some of the the platforms he threw from i thought he was really good and nick i know this a guy you've liked for a while
1: Yeah, I mean, Bridgeland's got some dogs down there. Dylan Goffney, and they have a couple uh, on the defensive side of the ball as well. They have a couple of kids committed to SMU on that uh, Bridgeland team. But talking about Weidman, the only thing I worry about is he's probably the number one baseball player in the country for his class. And, you know, if it comes down to it and, you know, He's forced to pick one. I'm not sure football necessarily gets the nod there. So that's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, I mean, he could play both. I'm trying to think of any quarterbacks that have played uh, both baseball and football recently. I mean, he had Kyler for a little bit, but he wasn't really starting when he was at OU and playing baseball. Uh, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, that's right. But it always kind of fizzles out by like year one or year two. They end up quitting baseball. So... Um, I think more these days maybe they're, they're looking to pick one or the other. Um, I, in talking to Weidman, you know, I think he's really open to both of those options right now. I mean, he's still got two more years to decide. But uh, talking about who the kid is and, you know, how good of a player he is, I think his potential is unmatched. And uh, putting him at, I think it was 122 or 124 in the country, I think that's a perfect little slot for him uh, because he can definitely rise in those rankings uh, with a big year this year with senior receiver Dylan Goffney. And they have uh, some pretty good competition in that district as well down in Cyprus.
0: Yeah, you know, the funny thing about the baseball is it's all good. And, you know, like Pat Mahomes has talked about and Gabe Brooks talked about when he was on our podcast that, you know, Pat didn't get a lot of offers because everybody thought he was going to go play baseball. Um, it had nothing to do with his talent. Everybody knew he was talented. It, they thought he was going to go play baseball. And, um, you know, he he made it very clear he wanted to play football. i am be interested to see what Weidman's stance is on that as he draws near his senior year. If he decides he does want to give football a run – Although, you know, I mean, if he goes high, high in the first round, that's, you know, a couple million dollars is really, really tough to turn down.
1: I mean, Kyler did. So, I mean, at least we have a data point there.
0: (laughs) The other storyline I really like from this rankings group, and I talked about this and my thoughts on it over on Orange247.com. So please go subscribe so you can read things like that. Um you know, Nick. For years, we've talked about how behind Texas is when it comes to offering kids. And what really stuck out to me is a lot of these kids were early were have been offered by Texas, and a lot of them were early offers by Texas. When you look at, um, you know, just running through the list here, Texas was one of the first schools to offer Kelvin Banks. Texas was the f- uh, second school to offer Chase Biddle. They were early on Jaden Blue. They were early on Evan Stewart. Um, uh, thinking of
1: other number one on Tavoris Jones number
0: one on Tavoris Jones found him out of nowhere um you know if you look at uh just some of the guys through here Brennan Thompson's another guy they were super early on I think that we're seeing uh, what represents as a a change in recruiting philosophy that could help them moving forward
1: yeah this new staff that has come in has done a really good job recruiting this 22 class and and talking to most of the 22 kids you know I could only think of maybe one or two that I could point at and be like, okay, he's not really interested in Texas. But as far as like all of the other in-state targets, I think, you know, there's a legitimate shot with just about everybody. You know, everybody's pretty wide open. The staff has done a great job in putting those early evals out and throwing out those early offers. And uh, you're starting to see those guys rise in the rankings. So... Um, definitely a great job and especially a great job by Stan Drayton to uh, point out to Voris Jones, offer him first out of nowhere in the middle of April. We didn't even have a 24-7 profile built for him when uh, Drayton offered and now look at him he's a number 72 player in the country so and he has uh, some of the best offers in the country to go along with it so uh, uh, this new staff is doing a great job and even some of the guys that have been on the staff for a while like Drayton and Coach Hand uh, they've been doing a good job as well uh, this spring.
0: All right. Well, uh, Nick, that's all my thoughts for rankings. you have anything else you wanted to add before we move on to our next segment?
1: Now that's about it. I pretty much touched on everything as far as, you know, the defensive back class being super loaded and then uh, obviously the Tavoris Jones. I, I definitely wanted to point that one out. I think that's a big win on Texas's part and getting in on him early. All
0: right. Well, we're going to move on to our next segment. Uh, we I sat down earlier this week with uh, – premium Texas target, four-star offensive lineman Bryce Foster from KD Taylor. And uh, he's going to talk about his recruitment, and we hope you enjoy that conversation. And now joining me on the State of Recruiting podcast, it is the Mountain himself, uh, one of the best prospects in the state of Texas for 2021, Katie Taylor, offensive lineman Bryce Foster. Bryce, thanks for joining me today.
2: Yes, sir. Glad to be on.
0: Um, first off, man, how's quarantine been going for you? What have you been up to? Uh, how are you keeping busy?
2: uh just working out and playing video games honestly um I, I've, kind of, I've kind of got a new friend group uh my brother's friend group i've been playing a lot of video games with <laughs> but uh, mostly just working out um one of, one of my buddies has a garage full of like workout equipment so i've been able to use that
0: are we talking call of duty madden what are we what are we playing
2: yeah, yeah. cod call of duty the new, one, I, the
0: new one. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't got onto the new one. I don't know if I'm made for that anymore. I, I think I may be too old. Um, I'm not sure <laughs> I can. I could do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, hey, you're never too old for it. I've <laughs> I've met some like sixty year olds on there, so like it's it's fun.
0: I've. I mean, I played the original ones, but I don't know, man. I just look at them now, and it, it feels too much like Fortnite to me. And and that playing Fortnite yeah. was the day I realized, oh wow, you're old.
2: <laughs> yeah everything everything's trying to copy Fortnite now with all the war zone stuff so
0: yeah um we talked you know earlier this this uh i saw it actually mentioned um you are doing an instagram like a q a thing later today right yeah uh, after there. we record um I, so, so I saw it mentioned by a, a friend of mine Joshua josh McQuistion, who covers oklahoma for rivals um to ask you about sushi you and i we align on sushi we we're on the same page here I only eat fish if it's okay. if it's deep fried. So that's about okay. the only way I eat fish. So yeah, yeah, same here. I just wanted to let you know you got somebody in your corner there. Um, yes. You know, here's one thing I'm curious about. You're obviously a, a, a very accomplished uh, track and field athlete. Um, you throw both discus and shot. Um, you didn't really get to compete this year because of, of coronavirus. Obviously, a lot of that is working out. But, like, how much of it is – like, if you picked up a discus or shot right now, would you be able to throw it like your peak level or, or is that something you kind of have to build up to? Uh,
2: so usually throughout the year, I'll kind of like during, like even during football season, I'll kind of keep training at it. Not as hard as I do during track season, but I kind of keep, uh, keep going at it. So I don't really lose anything from the past season. I don't have to like restart, um, but probably no, not at my peak level. Um, I, was, I was just starting the peak uh, I was just starting on that incline last season when everything got canceled, um, which is kind of the bad part. I, w- I was starting to hit a lot of things during spring break. I was starting to hit right cues and everything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, probably not at peak level, but, I mean, uh, I could probably – I mean, my my PRs are 198, half-inch in disc, and then uh, 65, three-and-a-half in shot. Uh, so I could probably throw – Like, right now, like a 180 maybe. Um, And then probably around a 60-ish right now if I just went out there and did it.
0: That's not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, I certainly couldn't, so that's uh, you get that on me. (laughs) Um, You know, just uh, with with everything going on, uh, you know, obviously this – You guys are in such a tough position because no recruiting class has ever had to deal with something like this. I feel like by this point in time, you'd have probably taken all of your official visits, or at least most of them, and uh, maybe well on to a decision. What is your timeline? What's your plan looking like right now?
2: So I had official visits planned. Um, It was supposed to be – so the week before school got canceled and um, uh, the NCAA shut down all recruiting, I had an official set for OU and UT, uh, UT I think it was like June 19th or something. Mm-hmm. And then OU was, oh, I forgot the date, but it was, I, I, I had everything set, uh, but then coronavirus ended up canceling that. So I haven't had any officials yet. Uh, I, I've been try, I was trying to go to like up in Oregon because I've never been to a game there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to get an official visit to Oregon so I could see a game, kind of see that type of atmosphere. And then the same thing with kind of LSU.
0: Now, you've been to all of those schools on unofficial visits. I guess that's a good thing for you. You're not going to have to – if something happens and there's no visits, you're not going to have to make this decision sight unseen. Um, You know, that said, what are some of the biggest factors you're looking at when you're narrowing down these schools, like down the stretch here?
2: Uh, uh, One big one is coaching stability. Um, I think all five of my schools have pretty good coaching stability, though Um, because you know a lot lot of coaches kind of get thrown around everywhere you know they might promise you know they're gonna win a national championship let's just say at UT or whatever and then the next year coach Herman gets a promotion to I don't know some other school you know Um, so I I know coaches get thrown around and even online coaches do um, but that's that that's probably one of my biggest things Um, obviously the track and field portion um, that's that's another big one and uh, probably like a third thing Um, it's probably just, like, the comfortability there, like the kind of vibe to the place. Um, Just so I – especially somewhere far away like Oregon, I don't want to, like, be uncomfortable there, uh, especially since it's so far from home.
0: Um, You mentioned uh, coaching stability. Is that just head coach, Is offensive line coach included in that or how you're looking at that?
2: Uh, I think it's head coach, offensive line coach, strength and conditioning coaches, and then the track coaches as well. Uh, just
0: kind of those four. I did want to talk about that. How um, I would assume all five of those schools in your top five probably wouldn't have made it if they hadn't got their track teams involved in talking to you. So I assume all of them are offering track as a second option, right? Yes, sir, definitely. Um, you know which schools really? I, I don't know much about the college track and field scene. So which schools out of that top five really stand out with their programs?
2: Uh. So, I mean, Oregon, you know, they're called Town USA. Um, they, have, they have a pretty good uh, throwing program. Uh, I know UT has a crazy good throwing program. Uh, I, know, I know Coach Zion has coached some crazy throwers like Valerie Adams. Um, and then, oh, no, I forgot his name. Uh, the, the, he's like, he won three-time national championship. Uh, mm-hmm. Pippery, Adrian. A- Adrian Pippery, trip. Yeah, um, that, that's the name I was thinking of. But, um, yeah, he's he's kind of put him to like a three-time national champ in the shot. So, that th- th- they have a pretty good uh, throwing program as well. I'm not too, too, like, educated that much on how well everyone's performed. But I know um, OU, they have a guy who's throwing for them that used to throw in our district. Uh, he left before my freshman year, um, Cooper Campbell, who already set a school record there as, like, a true sophomore. So, Learning about that was pretty cool.
0: Um, you, when I first met you, I think one of the things you said to me that stuck out was you wanted to be a guy that, that played in the NFL yeah. and threw in the Olympics. Um, yep. Texas, obviously, they've got that model. Marquise Goodwin played for Texas, played in the NFL, and then uh, you know, long jump, triple jumped in the Olympics. Um, have they pushed that kind of angle on you?
2: Uh, they have, yeah. They've talked about it. They've said how they've been able to balance it um, and that how like, they're um, willing to work. Uh, with my schedule to make sure I'm able to compete at the um, at shot and discus and football at the highest level I can.
0: We hope you're enjoying this episode of the State of Recruiting. We'll be back with this interview after a brief word from our sponsors. Um, let's talk about Texas a little bit specifically. Coach Hand is is a guy that you've told me has been basically recruiting you since your eighth grade year. Um, yeah. Talk about him and, and you know, uh, for our fans out there, what's give us an inside look at, at him.
2: Uh, so cool fact. He's been the only coach who's offered me at two different schools, at Auburn and at Texas. So that that that's pretty cool to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, i I've, I've, I've known him for a while. Um, Luckily, I I haven't been, I wasn't able to talk to him that much before junior year just because all the NCAA rules and everything. Um, but you know, I I would see him and I'd give him like a little head nod or something like that just so I, just so he knows I see him and I'm saying hi and everything. Um, but yeah, we we have a really good relationship. I um, mean, he's he's giving me some recipes for some food and grilling, so <laughs> he's he's kind of hooked me up with that him and, him and Hayden both. So. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he's he's probably the guy I've known the longest throughout this whole process and one of the only guys who's stuck with me through the entire thing. Um,
0: I know you you just mentioned food. That's obviously a big Herb hand thing. That's a big offensive lineman thing. Um, we talked to Hayden, I guess, a couple months ago. He's got a YouTube channel where he's going to be doing some cooking content. Any chance you'll be joining him for a, maybe a guest video on there to cook some things up?
2: Uh, I don't know. I haven't talked to him about it. <laughs> <laughs> I might, Uh, I mean, I might, I might go there just to be like the taste test guy, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of people who have said a lot of things about your recruitment and you've kind of remained even killed and pretty straight about it. You know, obviously you guys have your, your family's got a lot of deep ties to Texas A&M. Um, I think you put that you, you kind of grew up watching Oregon. You had a picture from the Oregon, Texas, Alamo Bowl yeah. with you in Oregon gear. Um, you've been to Texas a billion times. Oklahoma, the same thing. You know, at times people have talked about them being the leader for you. Um, I guess, you know, kind of where are things? Is there anybody standing out? Or or where are we at 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 this point of the year? Uh, I
2: mean, right now, everything's kind of level, um, especially with not being able to get any official visits in. That's kind of what I've been um, hoping for, is getting these official visits. I I think that the official visits are going to be the things that, like, um, uneven the playing field, I guess I could say. Um, but there's, there's, there's no one that's head over shoulders anyone else right now, I know.
0: When, when, if we're making an argument, uh, you know, I think it, you could go through each school and say, you know, Oregon could win this race because and Oklahoma could win this race because if I was to say Texas can win this race because what is it that stands out about Texas that could potentially lead you to choose that?
2: Uh, Coach Hand is probably the main reason, um, but probably closest to that is their throwing
0: program. Okay. What's your relationship like with Coach Herman? How involved is he with your recruitment?
2: Uh, he, he's definitely involved. Um, I mean, I talked to Coach Han more often, um, but I just got done. I got off the phone uh, with Coach Herman like two, three weeks ago, and he was with his, like, a whole family, an RV driving back from California. So, I got yeah, <laughs> I got to talk to, like, his whole family, say hi to everybody, and that was really cool. It made, it made me feel like I was part of the fam.
0: Okay, so I talked to Hayden last night. He gave me some questions uh, to (laughs) ask you. Hold on, let me pull them up real quick. Um, His first question was really, and, and, you know, this is something, it is a common thread I wanted to ask about. Obviously, Texas has a couple of commits that you've known for a long, long time, uh, Jalen Milrow and uh, and Hayden. He said, ask him about the first time he met uh, uh, Hayden and Jalen. It was at a practice in sixth grade before you guys won a national championship. So what were your first impressions of those two when you met them?
2: Uh, so I remember walking in, I had, it was me and a buddy, we were it was for like the FBU National Championship, and our team ended up disbanding that me and my, one of my buddies was on Jacob Sykes, um, and we, we, our coaches, who were the coach of that team, um, knew that they were taking over, so they, um, they said, hey, if you need two guys to, you know, go help y'all out, here, here's two names, and they, they brought us over. And I, I remember going to the field and I was walking with them and I was like really nervous because I, I, I heard about how good they were and everything. But I didn't, I, I, was, I was always used to being like the big kid. And I, I walk in and there's four dudes the same size as me and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> I, I was so confused. And then like, I I have not really played with guys. I mean, I've played with guys who have had a lot of talent, but like when, whenever I stepped on that field, it was a completely different story. I mean, I... I remember like the first play I, w- I was blocking and it took like a second and a half maybe, and that's I think that's pretty quick for sixth graders. It took like a second and a half and Jalen like hit the hole right behind me on like a read, and I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. Everything's <laughs> happening kind of quick. I'm not used to this yet. But it, it was really cool. They, they, they really welcomed me in with open arms, and I thought that was like probably the coolest thing ever was playing with them.
0: Hayden also told me to ask you about uh, your favorite recruiting trip with him and uh, the most memorable games you guys have played.
2: With him, ooh. Um, probably uh, when we went to Nebraska, we went, uh, we went and saw a game together, and it was 19 degrees with, like, a negative two-degree wind chill. And it was like, I, I, I'm a guy who doesn't get cold. Like it can be, it can be 30 degrees outside. I'm still walking around in t-shirt and shorts and slides with no socks. Like uh, that, 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 that's just me. But I was like, I was in a long sleeve shirt, a sweatshirt, a jacket and my letterman. And I was like freezing cold. I was wearing jeans and I don't really fit in jeans well because of my calves. But I had, to, I had to squeeze in there, and, man, it was freezing cold. But it was, it was a lot of fun because we all just got to, like, enjoy and all hang out. The uh, most memorable game? Um, ooh, that's a, that's actually a hard
0: one. You guys had a, a string of them last year. So, I came and saw you all early in the year against uh, Maid Creek. In a game ooh. that I think, <laughs> frankly, if I asked you, you'd like that one back. Um, yeah. You'd like a do over there. And I – I'll, look Bryce I'll be honest with you I said hey that's got. they got a heck of an offensive line I'm not sure they have the offense to to make a deep run in the playoffs and then I kept looking up and you guys kept winning every single week in the playoffs no. um there's some yeah, that, down, the, down the stretch there
2: yeah that that made Crete game it was there were a lot of like mental errors that we made in that game uh sp- specifically offensively um it was it was pretty bad but um Probably our fav- my favorite game had to be going against Side Creek this year when we, when we beat them by, like, 38 points. Because I remember we had a string of 24 points that we scored in, like, less than two minutes. Like, we outscored their whole team in less than two minutes, and they did the whole game. And I, I, we, we, we went and we scored, and we were, like, celebrating, yeah, and we kicked the field goal, and we, kick, we kicked the ball off. And I remember walking back with Hayden. Um, after we scored and kicked that field goal after we uh, got the fumble in the end zone. And we, we jogged back, and we're like, all right, now we got a break. Now we're good for a little bit. And a play later, we got a pick six, and we just started, like, screaming down the field, like, going, like going nuts, like, running next to each other. And that, I don't know why that, that, that just kind of, like, stuck out to me as, like, a, as, like, a pretty cool moment.
0: Well, it 's like one of those things where you know you get that outburst of points i 'm not sure you can have more fun you know in the, in a small amount of time, so yeah. i can I can definitely understand that A couple more questions before we finish up here um, we 've talked about the the relationship you 've got with those guys at Texas um, Hayden and, and Jalen i 'm sure you know Derek Harris pretty well and, those, and a couple of those other Houston guys. Hayden told me he tries not to recruit you too hard because you guys are lifelong friends. You're like locker mates It would probably get really uh, tiring at that point. How, like, what is the pitch from those guys and, and how much are they on you day in and day out?
2: Uh, so, yeah, yeah, L- like you said, he's not really on me every day asking me, like, are, are you going to go here? Are you going to go here? He's, he's kind of respected my space and understood that it's my recruitment, and I, I, I really appreciate that from him. Um, but doesn't mean he hasn't been going after it. Like, um, <laughs> every, every time, every, anytime I talk to coach Hand or coach Herman, I guess somehow it gets relayed down and Hayden, Hayden knows about it. And he comes up the next day and he's like, how the talk, how how'd the zoom meeting go? How was the talk with coach Hand yesterday? I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> and he, he's, he's always trying to make sure I had like the, I had like the greatest time whenever I talk to, uh, talk, talk to all the Texas coaches.
0: He's everywhere, man. He knows everything. Uh, last question before we get out of here. Do you have a – so Jalen told us, and I don't know if you've ever heard him do this, but he told us his hidden talent is that he can sing really well. Um, d- yeah, so I don't know if you've ever heard him do it. You might ask him. Um, have <laughs> Do you have any hidden talents or anything that we may not know about you?
2: Uh, any hidden talents? I mean, I don't know if I, you count this as a talent, but I can be a pretty good hib- hibachi chef, so –
0: Oh you're good with the knife and everything? Like you can slice oh, yeah. it up and I, I get, I,
2: Oh yeah. I, I I made I made hibachi for my family the other night, man, and I was like I was like going ham. <laughs> I, I was getting I, I I had like a little scoop and I would I would hit it with the knife and I'd throw the rice up in the air and catch, try to have my parents catch it. It was a lot of fun.
0: Oh wow. So you may <laughs> may have another career after football and <laughs> working out a Benny Holly. Exactly. Well, Bryce, exactly. we um, we thank you so much for taking some time out of your day, man. I know Texas fans wanted to hear from you and, you know, hear what you had to say about them. So thanks for taking some time and, and talking to us today.
2: Yes, sir, definitely.
0: All right. And we want to thank Bryce Foster for joining us, taking some time out of his day. We hope you guys are enjoying these uh, these recruit interviews. We try to book them every week. They're a little tough to book, but we got it figured out. I'm working on a, a big guest for next week, so hopefully I can get it locked down and, and we'll see what happens. But uh, it, this one's going to be tough, so uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, let's move on to our mailbag. As always, you can send your questions on the hornch 24-7 message board when we put the thread out. If you are not an Orange 24-7 subscriber, all you have to do is go to our iTunes feed and leave us a five-star review with your question, and we promise we will answer it. Our first question comes to us from Polly Dreamer. He says, In the world of the transfer portal, keeping a high-quality quarterback depth seems almost impossible. Would it be wise for a big school in a two-quarterback class to take a swing on a low-rank, high-upside kid like a Kyle Trask, a quarterback you know wouldn't transfer but could give you experience, depth, in a pinch? Yeah, I think Absolutely. You know, it, it's funny. Somebody, a, co- a college coach, told me that the, the transfer portal has made it to where um, you have to almost recruit two quarterbacks at a time, and because you recruit two quarterbacks at a time, they go into the transfer portal. So it's it's almost like a vicious circle, uh, killing itself. But I think the you know, I think what Texas has done, uh, especially in their last two quarterback class, with with Hudson Card and with. Um, uh, with Jaquinn Jackson they've taken guys who have dual position versatility so if things don't work out with one of those guys they have shown that they can play other positions and so I think that that's the way you kind of get around it but yeah it doesn't hurt to take a program guy that you know might give you good depth but might not necessarily be a program changer just so you don't have those gaps on the depth chart
1: yeah and you saw them kind of unintentionally make that happen in the 2019 class with uh Roshon Johnson and now he's you know uh, if, if you look at the insider that Chip Brown put out earlier today, Roshan Johnson is doing a great job at that running back position still here in early workouts of the uh, uh, of the of the fall. So uh, you saw that a little bit, but I think some other schools are trying some different strategies. I, th- I think to add some quarterback depth. Uh, if you look at Lucas Coley's recruitment uh, back about you know two or three months ago, right before he committed to Arkansas, uh, Clemson was hard on him, and I think if they had offered maybe uh coley would have ended up in clemson south carolina uh and that you know that's just a kid that's a you know low rank high upside kid uh like you mentioned um and, you know they're just trying some different strategies to add quarterback depth that you know it's just something to keep an eye on moving forward because that's definitely interesting especially with the new transfer portal rules uh so yeah for sure
0: all right next question and we go to our itunes feed it comes from williams david uh, he left us a five-star review. Thank you for that. Um, it says, uh, do you think the present verbal commitments Billy Bowman, Juan Davis, Jonathan Brooks, and Casey Kane will ultimately get an increase in their rankings? Further, do you think targets like LJ Johnson, Terrence Cooks, and Jaden Alexis will get an increase in their rankings? Um, with rankings, you always got to take those case by case. Um, uh, Billy Bowman, I think, is probably right at the range where he's going to logically finish. I think he could jump up five, ten spots, maybe into that Five-star category, um, but he's—I think he's kind of where he is going to be. Juan Davis is a guy that. I don't know. He plays out of position, so I don't know that I could see him necessarily getting a big bump in ranking. Uh, Jonathan Brooks is a guy. Jonathan Brooks and Casey Kane both, I think, if there is a senior season for them, can both very much improve their standing uh, with great senior seasons because there are a lot of potential people like them. Uh, When you talk about L.J. Johnson, he's already ranked pretty high. I think he's kind of where he's going to be. Terrence Cooks is a guy that could jump because he has got a lot of athleticism uh, but doesn't necessarily have uh, the production. And then Jaden Alexis is another guy that I think uh, probably could jump again with with a big production year.
1: Yeah, just my opinion. I don't think you're going to see much rankings movement until a season is played. Um, I, I didn't get all of that question there, but uh, that's just kind of my opinion on it. But I think, yeah, Cooks is a guy that I think could rise with a pretty good uh, senior season. Um, he was kind of limited uh, in how many snaps he was able to get in Shadow Creek State run last year. Uh, but now him is the primary guy, that linebacking core for Shadow Creek, uh, I, I think he could definitely see a big rise. Uh, a guy like Jaden Alexis and Casey Kane. Casey Kane's actually going to get some more uh, touches um, they had a big-time receiver transfer out to uh, Ohio uh, at Warren Easton. Uh, so Casey Kane's definitely going to get some more touches next year, you know. and if he turns that into a big season, you can definitely see a rise in the rankings for him. So, yeah, like you said, it's just a case-by-case basis.
0: All right. Trey Stein has been trying to ask me this question for three weeks, and I basically dared him on the podcast last week to give us a five-star review. <laughs> so his question is, start, bench, cut, Quentin Jackson, Hudson Card, Jalen Milrow. I'm going to answer it because he left us a five-star review. But he's going to be mad because I'm going to change the terminology. (laughs) I'm going to do start, bitch. Nobody's getting cut. Um, Somebody's just getting moved to a different position. Um, So I'm going to start Hudson Card because I think out of the three, Hudson Card is probably the most polished, the most college ready. Um, While he doesn't have the most upside, I think he is that guy that probably is your best bet at this point. I'm going to bench Jalen Milrow. He'd be the second quarterback there and the the guy right behind him. And I'm going to move Jaquindon Jackson to another position, probably running back or like an H-back style of player.
1: Yeah, same exact here.
0: All right. Back to our questions on the board. Uh, From Saved by Milrow, are there any other targets at 21 or 22 that you're close to putting a crystal ball in for Texas whether uh, or not? I'm sorry, close for putting a crystal ball in whether it's Texas or not um 21 so this is something we didn't talk about during the first segment but i probably should have hit on it um i did write earlier this week our first Blair and gula reported it and then i kind of followed up on it but uh cherry creek in colorado their tight end gutter helm is actually making a visit to austin next monday i'm told that if everything goes well and he likes what he sees texas is very much in position to get their tight end in Gunnerhelm. helm um Fairly quickly after he makes that visit. So he's a guy that I'm close to putting a crystal ball in for. I talked earlier in the week. um, I think that Texas is in a very strong spot for Shamar Turner. I'm close to putting in a crystal ball for him. 22, the one guy that I would probably single out that I really like with Texas right now where they stand is Evan Stewart. But I think that things are kind of just beginning for Evan. And so I don't see that one wrapping up. So that's what's really keeping me from putting in a pick there.
1: Yeah, the only one I guess I've been kind of teetering with, and it's basically based on um, your reports, Mike, is with Chase Biddle out of Garland. Um, He he seems pretty high on Texas at this point. Uh, He's a leader right now, actually. Texas is the leader in his recruitment. So uh, that's one definitely I've been keeping an eye on. Um, But as far as other guys, just, you know, waiting for a couple of things to play out.
0: All right. Our next question from B Longhorn thirty-seven uh, has a couple questions here. Where did things go wrong with the Brockemeyer twins? How has COVID nineteen impacted the way you uh, connect with recruits and sources? Uh, wh- what recruits would you like Texas to make a push for that they're currently not? And if you could give out some accolades to the current twenty twenty-one recruits, what would they be? Okay, so let's start with the Brockermeyer question. As we record this, the Brockemeyers are set tomorrow. As we record today, as you hear it, to make their commitment. We do not believe they will be committing to Texas. Our crystal balls are on Alabama, um, and and that's where I think they're headed. So um, there's been a little meltdown on our board tonight. I don't know that you can point to one moment and say this is what went wrong for the Brock and Meyer twins. I've tried to spell it out for a long time. It is they are very serious kids, uh, very serious about the business of playing in the NFL, and. For them, when they look at things and you look at the track record Texas has when it comes to putting offensive linemen into the NFL, Texas does not, they simply just can't stand up against Alabama with that track record. So uh, for them, it's all about development. It's about getting to the next level. And it's about an opportunity to play for a guy like Nick Saban, which doesn't come for everybody. And, you know, you're talking about, Probably the greatest college football coach of all time. So I think that's where things are with the Brockmeyer twins. I don't you know, I can't put it on Herb hand. I know everybody wants to 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 batter Herb hand over this. I, I can tell you I, I I can tell you from a lot of conversations I've had with the boys themselves and that family, and Nick will tell you I I talk with them very frequently. Um that they have said over and over again how much they enjoy Herb Hand, how much you know, he, how well he recruited them, um, all those sorts of things. I just think when you look at it from a total package uh, perspective, Texas just can't measure up when it comes to NFL development in the way that Alabama does. Uh, I'm going to go through these other ones, Nick, and then you can roll through them. How's COVID uh, impacted the way you connect with recruits and sources? It's definitely impacted the way we we connect with recruits um, because we just frequently we see them much more often. Um, we're not getting to do that as much, so yeah, we rely on things like Zoom calls or texts or, or whatever, and it's just. It's fine, but it, it's not like it is like when you get guys in person, you can really talk to them and, and read them. And, you know, in person, I think a lot of guys break down their walls a little bit. So that's changed that. Um, as far as sources, it is what it is. Uh, you don't see a lot of sources a lot of times anyways. So guys are, are more bored. I would say guys are probably more readily available during COVID than they have been. Uh, what recruits would you like to make Texas make a push for if they're currently not? I'll just say Ezra Ezra Oyotati, Ezra Dotson Oyotati, as he is now. Um, that's a guy that I could see Texas offering soon. Uh, with the news of what's going on with the Brockermeyers, that's a guy I'd like to see him push for. And if you could give out some accolades to the 2021 class, what would they be? Uh, so most engaging recruit to talk with. You know, Jalen Milrose up in that group. I would say Hayden Connors in that group. Bryce Foster was a great conversation as well. I'm going to go with Jordan Thomas. He is literally my favorite conversation every time I have it with him. He is uh, just a wonderful kid. The way he looks at the world is is awesome. So um, I, I, I've just never met a kid that's that humble. And, um, man, talking with him, you just learn new things. So I, I, I'm going to go with Jordan Thomas. Uh, the hardest to get a read on... Uh,
1: I feel like this should oh, be an easy pick. Oh, that's, right?
0: an, that's an easy one, yeah. yeah. I was going to say somebody else. It's Kamar Wheaton. Um, <laughs> it's definitely Kamar Wheaton. Uh, he is the he doesn't talk. Uh, the people around him don't know what he's doing. I was going to say um, L.J. Johnson. Quite, you know, funny because he's the other big-time running back. But uh, he was going to be my pick. But, yeah, I can't believe I forgot Kamar. It's easily Kamar Wheaton. Um, what other superlatives do you think we should come up with, Nick, or some accolades? Uh, hmm the funniest who would be the funniest recruit we know
1: uh terrence cooks is up there if you get him out of his shell a little bit terrence yeah. Cooks can crack out a laugh or two um
0: terrence is good um you know there's some classes that just stick out like others like that 2018 class we had such a good relationship with those kids i think about them all the time um, I'm trying to think. Like Jalen Waddle is like one of the funniest kids I've ever met in my life, and I'm I'm trying to think if there's anybody that measures up to Jalen Waddle um, that just sticks out to you. You know, uh, you know what? Garrett Nussmeyer is a pretty funny kid. If you talk to him, he'd be yeah, up there I'll as give well.
1: You that,
0: for sure. All right, Nick, go ahead with that question.
1: Um, all right, I'll start at number one with the things going wrong for the Brockemeyer twins, and I'm just going to kind of add on to what you you said, Mike. And it's just a business decision at the end of the day, and uh, you know. If I was in the same position, I'd probably make the same d- decision. Um, you know, it's just a business decision at the end of the day. Number two, how has COVID impacted the way you connect with recruits and sources? It's actually, you know, I was kind of worried in the beginning, uh, being able to get kids on the phone as much. But thankfully, and this is a shout out to all the recruits too. Thankfully, they've been, you know, pretty responsive. The majority of them, at least the football kids. I can't speak on this for the basketball kids, but for the football kids, it's been uh, it's been pretty easy getting them on the phone and uh, getting them to answer through DMs. And, you know, I've actually been able to strike up a couple of good relationships just by, you know, FaceTiming and calling kids here and there uh, just to uh, get an insight on their recruitment. So in a way, that's a, that's kind of a positive of this whole thing. Uh, number three, what rec- what recruits would you like Texas to make a push for? They are currently not. Uh, Ezra Dotson-Oyutadi, of course, and I was actually just looking today at uh, Jack Lear, 6'7", offensive tackle at uh, Highland Park. He actually just landed a USC offer today. So he's kind of starting to blow up a little bit. Um, I I, I wouldn't mind seeing Texas uh, dip their hand in that one. Uh, Number four, if you could give out some accolades. Yeah, I kind of added on to that. Most engaging recruit to talk with um, in the 21 class. I love Jordan Thomas, like you said. Just so much energy he brings. Uh, Jalen Milrow is just so insightful. He's so mature. Uh, He's a kid that's really strong between the years. Um, hardest to get a read, of course, that's going to be Kamar Wheaton. Um, and sometimes even Terrence cooks, <laughs> uh, even though, you know, it's kind of, uh, it, it's not as hard to read where he's might be going or, you know, what he might be doing. Uh, he, he does kind of keep it close to the vest. Um, but yeah, that's what I got for those. All
0: right. Our next question from green 89 Would the NCAA consider moving back. One of the signing days of high school football moves to the spring. I, first of all, I don't believe high school football or college football will move to the spring. I've talked to a lot of people. I don't know anything for sure, so don't run with it and say Mike said this. is definitely not happening. But just talking to people, the people who – the way they describe logistics of what would happen if you moved it to the spring, I just don't – I'm not sure I could see it happening. So I'm not sure it goes there. But um, I have heard that visits are likely to be moved to the spring, like they're going to open up more official visits. If, if, you know, obviously if things get fixed and and we can do it safely. And I think if that happens, you would probably see the second signing day move back so that kids could take official visits and, and still make their sign.
1: Yeah, if I was a betting man, I would say that they probably would push the signing day back and to maybe May or June just so kids can get on campus and, you know, actually see the schools they're committing to. There's so many kids out there right now that I've never even been to the school that they're committed to right now. So that's a little scary. Um, So I'm sure if I if again, if I was a betting man, I, I would say they would.
0: Our next question comes from Handy1182. Do you think UT's proactive approach to improving uh, culture issues is making a difference with recruiting? And if so, who are the ones that may have helped us with? So I actually did a story uh, on reactions on those culture changes. Uh, so if anybody didn't see, Texas did make a number of on-campus changes um, in response to the list of, of demands that uh, student athletes and student organizations put forward. The, the responses were really strong. Um, I think if you look at a guy like Harold Perkins' response, it was looked like it was written in a doctoral class. Um, I thought it was really interesting, uh, but I don't know that there's anybody who has said, "Yeah, this is like a big difference maker." Now, a lot of those kids did say this is a big deal to me that, that Texas has addressed it, but um, we'll see. You know, that's one of those things. Like, we'll see if they remember it a couple months from now.
1: Yeah, we've talked to a few recruits this week, and uh, you put together that article of most of the kids' reactions, and it was mostly positive. I mean, nothing crazy positive, but, uh, you know, for the most part, it's, it's been pretty good, and it definitely can't hurt with a lot of these kids' recruitments right now. And, you know, it's definitely something that they're keeping an eye on, and uh, I, I think these kids are just kind of more aware of what's going on in the world, especially here in 2020. Uh, so it's good to get the, their opinion on those kinds of things.
0: All right, our next question comes to us from uh, Green89 or I'm sorry, from Aiden1680, he says, out of some of the lesser discussed out-of-state targets, do you think Texas is doing a particularly good job with any of them? I feel like each of uh, the, he mentioned uh, Isaiah Johnson, Antonio Harmon, and Malcolm Johnson Jr. I feel like each of the three has posted some form of pro-Texas content and just see if the staff is pushing for any of the three particularly hard. Uh, Would love an update on where they stand. So, yeah, I think that, They're pushing for all three of those guys. I know they're pushing for Isaiah Johnson. If they could add him, um, I think they would definitely make room um, for him in their class, even though they they still want to add Andrew McCuba, and they're probably down to one or two spots. Malcolm Johnson is a priority for the staff. Uh, I think Antonio Harmon is, too, especially with the way receiver coach uh, recruiting is going. I think that Texas is not in the lead for any of those three guys, but they're in maybe a striking position for the receivers, so... You know, It's about where they finish down the line and, and just kind of seeing how, how everything goes there. And um, I, I don't know that I've got a great update for you on any of them, but uh, I'm going to try to get back in touch with Antonio Harmon this week. Malcolm Johnson's kind of tough, and Isaiah Johnson's been impossible, so we'll see.
1: I just want to throw in that Malcolm Johnson is one of my favorite recruits in this class as far as on-the-field production. Uh, he's a stud.
0: Yeah, he's I mean he's one of the fastest kid he's probably the fastest kid in the country at receiver. So uh, that's obviously huge. Uh, from Green 89, have you touched base with Jalen Milrow recently and are things still good? Uh, Bama always worries me, as does potentially losing the Brockermeyer brothers. Yeah, so there was a crazy rumor out tonight that the Brockermeyer brothers have been recruiting Jalen Milrow for months now to Bama. Um, I talked to some people in the Brockermeyer house. I was laughed at when I put that rumor forward. Um, so, I don't take a lot of fits that I think that Jalen. The thing is, you guys got to realize. Yes, I have talked to Jalen. I've talked to Jalen probably once a week or so, uh, just to check in, see how everything's going. But I, I've kind of stopped asking him the "Are you still solid?" question because, you know, think about, think about being with a girl or something, right? And you got a girlfriend, and she keeps asking, "Do you still like me?" Do you still like me? Are you looking at other girls? Eventually, that's going to get tiring. So I've kind of gotten tired of asking him that question. Jalen's always been very upfront and forthright with me. Um, you know, talking to people around him, I don't have any reason for suspicion. I may get burned on this, and I'm willing to get burned on this, but I like to trust people, and Jalen's never given me a reason not to trust him. So I think, um, yeah, I think that that everything's still good with him as far as I know.
1: Uh, as it goes right now, I'm going to be seeing Jalen on uh, Saturday, I believe, uh, or at least uh, at least FaceTime or Zoom or something like that. Um, so hopefully, we'll have more on that next week.
0: All right, from Triplet Joseph forty four, who is the diamond and the rough quarterback in Texas right now? Uh, there's a few of them. I would probably say my pick would be Kai Horton at Carthage. I don't understand why that kid doesn't have way more offers.
1: Yeah, I love Kai Horton. I love Brayden Shager at um, Highland Park. Went blank there for a second. Um, Shaker bombs. I'm trying to think of a couple of more. uh, p- p- Kind of going blank right now, but twenty one does have some sneaky good quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, it's a deep quarterback class. It's I don't think we saw it coming, but it was deeper than we anticipated. Um, Earl Thomas twelve. Do you buy the comparison between uh, Quinn Ewers and Trevor Lawrence, or is that going too far? I think I don't know that that's an apples to apples comparison as far as their playing styles. I think it's a comparison on potential and ceiling. Um, I'm trying to th- – but, you know, it's not a bad playing style comparison.
1: I think Quinn is a little bit more active with his feet, I would say. But
0: I feel like Lawrence showed this year he can make some plays with his feet. That's um. True. But Quinn yeah. can
1: rattle off a 100-yard rush yeah. if he needs to. I don't think Lawrence necessarily could.
0: Quinn was outrunning guys who I know run legitimate like four-fours and stuff. I've <laughs> seen him do it. So, yeah, that that is true. I mean Quinn was outrunning dudes in the Duncanville secondary, which isn't easy to do. So, yeah, um, I think it's more of a ceiling comparison than it is. A, I don't know that I've got a good apples-to-apples skill comparison on him. So I'd have to think about that. Uh, Nick, you have anything there? No, I kind of threw in what I wanted there. Okay, so Longhorn SD asks, uh, does a college coach ever call you guys and ask your opinion about prospects? If so, are there any cool stories you can share about a hidden gem prospect that you help a coach find? Um, Yeah, I think, you know, for the most part, those college coaches are, um, they're familiar with those guys. They watch film on them in a regular year. They get to go out and see them at their schools. Um but there are a lot of times where if they haven't seen a guy, they will say, "Hey, you know, did this guy seem that tall? Um, was he? How did he look to you?" Um, or if you're at a trading session, "Hey, how did so and so look? Uh, what did you think about him?" And I don't know that they really care. I really don't. Um, I, I think that some of it is just they want to verify some extra information. Some of it's they're just making small talk with me, um, or, or making me feel included. But um, yeah, they ask time to time. You know, most of the time. Um, I guess if there's any stories I could share, um, I will say, I guess I'll throw out the name. Screw it. Um, I met Chase Biddle, and I've been talking about Chase Biddle forever on this podcast. I met Chase Biddle uh, in Vegas this year at Pylon 7-on-7. and um, When I met him, saw him play, saw his build, knew what he ran in track. I make calls to schools right away and he got offers right away. So I guess if you're talking about I, I wouldn't call him a hidden gem and there's nothing to do with me. Like, it's not that I'm so influential. It's more so that schools just weren't aware of him. And I put, you know, put the film in front of them, and the film speaks for itself. So uh, I guess that's the best story I can give you there.
1: I will throw out, I've never had direct uh, conversations with um, at least a Power 5 coach. Uh, I've had a couple with a group of 5 coach at least recently, but I will throw out that coaches definitely keep an eye on Twitter. Uh, I get a lot of likes from people on the Texas staff, so uh, they do keep an eye on kids, and you know they keep an eye on a video and photo that's put out on Twitter. So if you're a recruit listening to this, I'm sure you know this already, but coaches really are peeled to Twitter, probably just as much as y'all are. So uh, I will say that.
0: All right, and our last question, as always, comes from Charles Daniels, who actually sent this question in last week, but he did it after we'd recorded. So I told him I'd get to it this week. Um, he says, two questions. The State Fair of Texas will be closed this year. What will you miss most about it? And pick one podcaster not from Texas to show around the State Fair next year. Podcaster does not have to be sports-related. Um, Wait,
1: say that last one
0: again. The podcaster does not have to be sports related it was the last okay. sentence. So I'm going to miss. I don't go to the fair a lot. I'll be honest with you. I grew up in Dallas. I grew up going to the fair. It's cool. Um, there's some things I really enjoy about the fair. But driving to Fair Park from where I live, which is about an hour drive, and you know, fighting the crowds and paying the money, I'm just not all that into it anymore. Now, my wife, who is an out-of-stater, she likes it. Um, My favorite thing about the fair is very simple. I'm a fat guy. I enjoy corn dogs. Uh, The State Fair is where the corn dog was invented. It is the best corn dog you can get, the Fletcher's corn dog covered in mustard. Eat that. Uh, Maybe you know, get a funnel cake or get some potato skins. That's my favorite part. I've turned into the old guy. Um, I've turned into my dad, basically, where it's like, let's get a corn dog and go look at the car show. Um, That's pretty much my favorite part of the fair. (laughs) If I had to take a guy and show him around, a podcaster... I mean, look, one of my favorite podcasts is the Joe Rogan experience, so I feel like Rogan would be pretty cool, like he would enjoy the experience, um, so he's the guy I picked it to show around.
1: Uh, yeah, as far as the fair, you know, unless I'm taking a female friend, it's not. I'm not really into it. <laughs> I mean, last year, I think, uh, you know, I ate a little bit, and then we went and watched uh, some pigs run around, and it ended up being like a... 65 70 dollar experience you know i just didn't feel like i got sixty-five, seventy dollars out of that day you know you just kind of keep an eye on those things so i'm not a huge fair guy either uh but i, I guess i'll miss those kind of aspects of it um i definitely won't miss the heat because it can get hot down there uh at certain times of the year and then uh as far as a podcast i love watching the joe budden podcast Um, Our good friend Guy Frazier, we we connect on that podcast a lot. It's a a rap podcast for those who don't know, and there's about three guys on there. I would love to just kind of show around Texas high school football culture. I think that would be kind of interesting. All
0: right, the second part of his question says, he's been stuck on 699 Twitter followers for about a week. Actually, I just checked, and he's at 702 as we speak. Um, (laughs) And it made him think, if you could pick a follower, who would you want to be the 700th follower? His first thought was Kanye because of the clout, it would bring. But then he realized he doesn't want that much clout. Settled on Ricky Williams. Um, If you could get anyone on Twitter to follow, who would it be? First of all, I want to tell my favorite story ever. My favorite story is that when Kanye first got on Twitter, he had one follow. And it was some random kid in like Europe. And nobody knew who the kid was. And they kept hitting him up and be like, why are you the only person Kanye follows? And the kid had no clue. He's like, I don't know why he follows me. And Kanye basically ruined this kid's life just by following him on Twitter and making him the only person he follows. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite stories of all time. Um, if I could pick anybody, it's weird because I could give you, like, my celebrity answers, probably, like, Bill Burr. I think Bill Burr's the funniest. Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle. I don't even know if Chappelle does Twitter, but um, Bill Burr would be like my celebrity answer. I think Bill Burr's the funniest guy on the planet um, next to Chappelle, so he would be my pick. Weirdly, like these people are only really names in the Twitter world, so unless you're like deep into Twitter, you might not know them. Um, Trill Withers, who, who goes by Tyler I Am, is like my favorite follow on Twitter. I laugh daily. At what he does. He used to actually work for Barstool Sports and just kind of resigned his, his position there but um, is a fantastic basketball follow even though I don't like basketball Nick but he, he makes fun of basketball at a level that I really enjoy um, <laughs> and just kind of makes fun of everything. He's, he's lo- like I can give you a 100- hundred like Tyler tweets that I've laughed so hard to so he would be up there or um and this could actually probably get done because our good friend Mike Craven knows him pretty well um Uncle Chaps who, who lives down in San Antonio he's another guy that I laugh daily at his tweets so those are probably the two guys for me
1: you know I just have a couple uh, I've been waiting for these followbacks uh, the first one is actually the state of recruiting account they, y- y'all never follow me back. I, y'all only follow 19 people. I understand you're elite. Uh, so I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not worthy yet.
0: <laughs> oh, you know <laughs> That's what? Whatever. I never go to that account. Like, I, I it's on my phone. I just I've never noticed have to...
1: tweeted from it about once in the past two months. Yeah, I just get
0: tired of it. I got to unfollow some of these, you know. Um, some of these I got. So let's see.
1: Throw me the login info. I'll make it a little bit more active.
0: Okay. And then I... the second one. I don't even what be, know what the login info is anymore, so I'll try to try to figure that out. Uh,
1: and the second what would be my employer, twenty four seven Sports. So I would love a follow back, guys.
0: Okay, well, look, twenty four seven doesn't follow me either. I don't believe. Oh,
1: so, we got a campaign. We got to run on a campaign for that. So
0: don't feel too bad. <laughs> um, we will. I promise. We will. Uh, Okay, there you go. There's the follow, Nick, from the, the State of Recruiting account. Um, all right, and that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Mailbag. And that's going to do it for our show. Nick, you have anything to add before we get out of here? No, that's about it. All right, well, we want to thank you guys so much for listening, for engaging, for sending us your questions, uh, for having some fun with us. Uh, we enjoy doing this every week, and we hope you guys enjoy listening to it. Uh, for Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We'll see you guys next week.